Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today I'm joined by staff reporter Jack Harris as well as site publisher Chris Cartman. Fellas, how you guys doing today? Doing great. Feels like the uh, the Dicky Dome is my home away from home this month so far. Awesome sauce, man. This month has been really crazy busy, and uh, we only really have another week or so of it, and then then uh, figure out what we're gonna do after that. Real quick, Chris, have they ever? You've you've obviously covered the team a lot Never. longer than us. I have. <laughs> <laughs> have they ever practiced uh, this often in the bubble? No, just re- repeatedly. Well, so. Obviously, they they've never gone this early in mm-hmm. in the year, and then on top of that, we've had a colder February than normal. I think those two factors, and Herm seems to have been kind of dissatisfied with the conditions of the outside field right now. I don't know if that's just because of the amount of water, and there's been you know you know some sporadic rain that's maybe affected that. Some uh, Dennis Erickson. He did like to practice in the in the Dickey Dome, in in camp. So in August, you know, his last year or two, however long it was before they made he was there. He was a coach before they made the transition from when they had the dome. I don't remember exactly. They were in the dome quite a bit in August. I would say probably, you know, not in Tonazona, but then the, the other twenty days they probably were in there more than half the time. Well. In the winter, I think usually people think more about basketball. We're going to start with basketball on this podcast. It was very cold in Colorado and Utah, two places ASU basketball just wrapped up some games in. Uh, against Colorado, ASU fell 77-73. ASU rebounded and defeated Utah 98-87 to in Salt Lake City. What did you guys make of the weekend? Uh, well, the Colorado game uh, pretty much embodied everything that ASU struggles with for me. Uh, they hung around, they kept it close, but then Kamani Lawrence hits those back-to-back three-pointers to tie the game at 51, and from there, ASU's offense just it gets real stagnant again. Uh, for one, Kamani Lawrence, who was hot, didn't really touch the ball down the stretch. Uh, they quit passing it around of their uh, uh, 25 made field goals, sorry. Uh, only 11 were assisted, and, and that it's just not a recipe for for success for this team against Utah was a lot better. Now Utah's probably a little bit better matchup for ASU with how much they like to run and play in a, in a more up and down game. And and they're not going to force you to beat them in the half court, every possession, uh, the Sun Devil shot extremely well, which they do sometimes, but they also are, are susceptible to shooting really poorly. So it was a weekend like a lot of their weekends this year. What's crazy to me is they've split nine of their last 11 road trips now in the Pac-12 going back three years, uh, which is kind of nuts. They still don't have a Pac-12 road sweep, um, and they still have a lot of work to do to get themselves a good spot in the Pac-12 tournament and to, and to really put themselves in a good spot for trying to get an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you go back to Colorado getting blown out by ASU and Tempe, early January by 20 points or whatever it was. McKinley yeah. Wright didn't play well in that game. And so I was just thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, is is, is he going to be able to come up with something a lot better in this game? And Colorado's been better at home, of course. And and then uh, he played really well. Really eight, well. Eight assists, 24 points, only 12 shots. Uh, ASU has struggled, as you guys know, 
with defending some of the better point guards on the perimeter, mm-hmm. that's given them a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and it did really in this well, game even, also. Even Lou Dort was struggling to keep McKinley right in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's something that they're going to have to just kind of be aware of, you know, the rest of the way. And then Tyler Bay was really big in that game also. I was just about to say, he had just seven points in that blowout where ASU handily defeated Colorado, a complete 180 from that game. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you guys are aware, but he actually chose Colorado over ASU. So I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit rough. And so did, Lucas Seward used to be a mm-hmm. ASU commit or maybe even a signing that they released after Bobby Hurley got that job. But I think ASU is a better team than Colorado. And most of Colorado's ancillary players didn't really do anything in that game, like Deshaun Schwartz or Evan Batty. Um, so I think that was kind of a missed opportunity. And, and like Jack said, you had Kamadi Lawrence. He made those two back-to-back threes in about a minute apart in the middle of the second half. And then the, he only had three shots to that point in the game, made them all look great. And then he only gets one shot in the final 10 minutes. And keep in mind also that uh, Tayshawn Cherry had fouled out of that game with about yeah. five minutes left. Well, there was not really much else that they had from a shooting standpoint, especially, you know, Rob Edwards wasn't right. going or, or anything. So I just think that they, they that's the type of thing where you want to try to figure out uh, uh, ways to scheme to get your hot shooters more more shots, and they weren't able to do that. Uh, of course, ASU did rebound and get a much-needed much win against Utah. I mean, if they had right. lost that game, I think their, their NCAA tournament aspirations would have been pretty much over. Uh, and you know, outside of the possibility of winning the Pac-12 tournament, but it would have made the getting a buy in the Pac-12 tournament also a lot harder. And so, you know, but you guys, we've been talking about all season just this the nature of ASU basketball and how the wild swings are. Yeah. And and this weekend, you know, almost seemed like you know emblematic of that again. Watching Utah. It was like it reminded me much more of like ASU from last season, mm-hmm. the way that the guys were just oh, like definitely. stroking the ball from all over the court yeah. between Dort and Remy Martin and Rob Edwards and pull up shots and whatever. I don't think that they are going to shoot that well almost ever. I think it was sort of them taking advantage of an opportunity, um, you know. And and Cedric Bearfield had a poor game. Yeah, he's a streaky player, and and you know, right. uh, so sometimes that's going to happen for him. But he, all those things. You know, together and ASU still was you know had to sweat it out down the right. stretch. And there's a lot of fouls and the uh, you know I, I asked <laughs> people to complete the sentence about Pac-12 officials on Twitter and it got like yeah 50 60 responses and none of them were good Pac-12. So, but um, I, I guess Rob they're 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 in a pretty good p- position to be able to get a buy now, um, as long as they hold you know serve at home and um. The NCAA tournament still definitely is very much within reach. And some of our fans who listen to the podcast often will note that last year we talked about what you're saying with the shooting, the the going from very hot to very cold. We talked about it last year, and Kalen Jones said a rational confidence of the team last year, maybe not having the talent that a team like this has, but having guys that would just you know shoot tons of threes and if they were going in, they you know they felt like they were the third best team in the nation. And, Irrational exuberance. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's interesting. I think that's that's well said, Chris, just for, for the Utah game because, like you said, they were shooting lights out, making some shots that 
aren't high percentage shots. Some Rob st- Edwards, man, that guy was in a yeah. tree. He had 28 points on 14 shots. He made four or six threes. And then, and then there's other games where right. you're like, is, is Rob Edwards even playing tonight? Well, so like I'm curious how much. Yeah. I'm very curious how much the back has been affecting him this season because yeah. um, I, I was talking to Zylan after the game and he told me nobody understands how tough it is to shoot when your back's not 100 percent and said that he thinks that he's finally getting to that spot. And he has know. been wearing that that heating pad or, or, or whatever it is yeah. on his back. The whole season. I think it's an electrical stem out. thing yeah. and it lights up like some futuristic <laughs> thing like on the side of it. Like, you know, he's got like a bionic <laughs> component to his game right now. But yeah. Okay, well, we're going to talk about the remaining five games for a little bit. ASU's got the Bay Area schools in town right now. They defeated Cal after really looking bad against Cal in the first half. That game is going to be Sunday. That's going to be ASU's senior day. Before that, though, ASU takes on Stanford, takes on the Cardinal this Wednesday. ASU lost in Palo Alto against Stanford the last time. It ended up being, I I believe, about a 14-point loss. Zylan Cheatham. Uh, went to that game after attending his brother's funeral. Obviously, an emotional day for him. What are you guys expecting for this week? Uh, a, a, a better performance in that one. That Stanford game actually reminded me a lot of the Colorado game this past weekend, where ASU was actually okay from three-point land, but the, the, the offense as a whole just never clicked. Um, you know, this is a really, obviously, a really big game, similar to last year when Stanford came to Tempe on senior day. And ASU was in this similar, real, just up and down swing at the back half of its season, and then Cody Justice missed the free throws, uh, and, and they ended up losing. I don't, I don't think ASU can afford to do that again uh, this week. Stanford has been better in Pac-12 play than they were in the non-conference, but you know, Chris said earlier, ASU better team than Colorado, probably a better team than Utah, probably a better team than, than most of the other teams in the Pac-12 this year. And on your home floor, you have to take care of these games. That means you can't let Casey Akpala go off the way he did the first time. Uh, I, I, they, they didn't put Zylan Cheatham on him very often in that game last month. I, I would recommend doing that uh, on Wednesday, putting your best defender and a yeah. guy who size-wise – matches up with Akpala better because it was Lugan Stort yeah, who right. was guarding him last month. And Akpala, a 6'8", 6'9", guy, just can, he can shoot over him. And yeah. Lugan Stort is a good defender, but Akpala, one of the best players, maybe the best player in the conference uh, from a talent standpoint, it, it can be so hard to deal with. And if you if you take him away, Stanford isn't very deep. Dejon Davis is pretty good. De Silva is pretty good. But they don't, they aren't throwing a bunch of talented guys at you off the bench. And if you can limit what he can do, that, to me, is going to be the biggest key for ASU because they couldn't do it in Palo Alto last month. Other guys were going off for the Cardinal, too. You have to find a way to slow him down because you have to win this game. Are you sleeping on Cormac Ryan and Josh Sharma? Come on, man. No. <laughs> well, Josh, Sharma Josh Sharma goes off against ASU, he, he, too. He likes <laughs> b- busting threes on ASU. Um, no, I think the that game in Palo Alto Rob what I took from it was ASU just didn't match Stanford's intensity yeah. and 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 physicality in I that game I remember we were talking about which, that on the podcast after that like Stanford's not usually the team that like out you know energies you and yeah. and out physicals you but they did and then and the the, sec- the the game was close and then the second half Stanford right. really pulled away because ASU couldn't get any stops on the right. defensive end I it think it was like a 10-0 run and I believe ASU was also turning the ball over Correct. A, a lot. Bu- yeah, a bunch. Uh, yeah. So they had 11 turnovers in the second half alone, actually looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Stanford shot over 60% from the field in the second half. Akpala is it all 
it's about him, in my opinion. Like if 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 you're able to limit him and make him a little bit frustrated into what they're trying to do offensively, that's huge. And we talked about even before that game, Jack. You know, wondering how they were going to try to defend him. Yeah. And then when we saw Dort out there, it just didn't make a lot of sense. You have a six three, nope. six four guard, and like Paul's got a seven foot wingspan, and and he'll he'll face you up on the perimeter and he'll get by you, he'll pull up over you. And when his when his when his jump shot is working off the off the dribble, you just have no chance against him with with a, a smaller defender. Um, you know, the key thing is so of course is, is making him uncomfortable and then preventing their shooters from being able to get off. ASU's three-point defense hasn't been very good this season, and that's something that Bobby Hurley's been really focused on. And you you have to have success and not allowing teams to penetrate and and kick the ball from the inside out. Right. So that that's really what I'm looking for. And then just and then you got to just get on the glass, be better, you know, overall with your team defense, you know, take good shots. But Rob, you, you can't if you're ASU, you have to get the sweep this week. You have to beat Stanford and then you can't have some catastrophic, you know, failure on senior day against Cal. Okay, so let's say that ASU splits this weekend. What? <laughs> if ASU, if ASU, <laughs> if ASU, if ASU, if ASU lost to Stanford Done. and beat Cal, it's Done. over. And here's why. Here's why. ASU right now is a, this is something I've heard a lot of people going back and forth about, and I, I wanted your guys' opinion. I think about this. ASU can afford what what I think ASU can afford is a road loss to either Oregon or Oregon State, which are fairly well rated in the net, and then a a loss deep in the Pac-12 tournament to maybe Washington or one of the conference's other top schools. Right now, ASU is 68 in net. I have a really tough time believing that if they finish anywhere outside of the top 60, that the Sun Devils are going to be able to get an at-large bid. I know they have the good wins, but they also have two quadrant four losses. I have a gut feeling that the the committee in this first year of the net is going to stick to that a little bit tighter than they would the RPI in past years where you could have a low RPI but have good wins and they might overlook it a little bit. If ASU finishes outside the top 60 in that, I doubt they're going to get in. So going off that, if you're losing home games, which this I think the Stanford game would be a quadrant two or quadrant three game. Quadrant, quadrant three. three. Yeah, quadrant that's going to drop you. It's going to sink you. You remember what happened when ASU lost to Washington State? They dropped 15 or 18 spots in the net. Yeah. If you drop another 10 or 12, you just don't have enough good games to make up all of that space. So that's why this weekend is a must-sweep. And you have to probably win two of your final three on the road, and you and then you have to not take a bad loss in the Pac-12 tournament, which is why getting a bye will be important because then you can win one game and get to the semifinal and, and have a chance. See, I think I think that you might be able to sneak into the tournament if you sweep, you win one of three on the road, you win your first Pac-12 game in the quarterfinals. So, I agree with that, but but you just can't put yourself in a situation where where you need for sure to win two out of three right. on the road and win in the Pac-12 tournament. It's just stacking the odds so against you. you think they can't? You think they can take two more regular season losses and yes. still get in? But yes, but what it depends on is what happens in some of these leagues where you have one uh, a team that would get that would eat up an at-large bid if they lose their conference tournament yeah. because the bubble squeezes. Uh, right now, I think probably in your scenario that you outlined. They're probably, you know, in the in the first four. You know, maybe they're just better than the first four. Yeah. You know, with 10, 11, 11 seed probably. Um, yeah, I think it probably would take four out of five wins and a Pac-12 tournament win for them to be uh, completely off the bubble. Like, no doubt, like, this, they're in the tournament. But, so, 
you know, it, just you losing to Stanford, that would just be catastrophic, though. I just don't know how. I mean, the, especially the way this team would be viewed. Another, you know, quote yes. unquote bad loss. Q three, like you just can't. You just can't put yourself in that situation. Okay, so five more games, then the Pac-12 tournament. First, I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think they go in these next five games? I think, and this, I think they'll quick go answer. four. Jack's yeah. bullish. I just Jack's want just a Jack. quick answer. Either I, I think this ASU team is better than the next five teams that they play. So I will say four and one. But the same way they were better than the Rocky Mountain. Teams. Yeah, but. I, the way I see it happening is they sweep this weekend. They split with the Oregon schools, and I think they can go to Arizona, especially if, if Brandon Williams is still out. I think they can go to Arizona and win that game as well. Very tough place to play. Arizona's going to be up for a rivalry game. And it is, but this I is— I think 3-2 and two is the most likely result. Um, they'll get a bye. 3-2 and two will get them probably at worst tied for second in the Pac-12. And then I have to see the opponent before I make a decision on their Pac-12 tournament game. I agree with Chris. I was going to say three and two as well. Okay, so does ASU make the tournament? Yes or no? I mean, if I'm saying they're going four and one, then yeah. Um, yeah. But again, these are fine. These are narrow margins they're dealing with. I lean toward no. I lean toward no as well. But I, it's cl- it's close. Um, okay. Well, that's going to wrap up some of our basketball. Let's get into football. Spring ball nearly two thirds of the way completed. Quarterback competition has been dominating our the storyline so far of practices, but there's a lot going on. You got Tyler Wiley. He returned to 11-on-11 11 11 drills today during practice. The defensive line is very thin, as we've reported uh, con- uh, extensively. What are some of your guys' storylines that you guys feel are important right now? Uh, the, the quarterback race is still relatively clumped together, I suppose. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's – Clear to this point, you can say Dylan Sterling Cole might be out ahead a little bit, but that if you were expecting one of these guys to look significantly better than the rest of the group, that hasn't really happened yet. Uh, and then, I mean, some of the depth issues have been <laughs> have been tough to deal with from the receiving core, which most days, because Kyle Williams has, uh, has these medical classes he can't miss on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they're playing with three scholarship, three healthy scholarship receivers right now. That's tough when you have a quarterback competition going on and you're trying to get guys run, running the right routes, not dropping the football. Uh, same thing on the defensive line. You're trying to develop a run game, but you're going up against a defensive line that is rotating through four healthy defensive linemen most days, and the linebacking core is thin. Uh, so team, like overall team aspects and the stuff we see in team period, I'm a little hesitant to make wide-scale uh, takeaways from. Uh, but I think overall – you're kind of seeing what what you expected. A tight quarterback race. I think the offensive line's progressing pretty well, even though Zach Robertson's been hurt. You're seeing a lot of competition in the secondary for spots and some movement around uh, different positions on the defense. But it's tough to get over right now when you watch them, just the lack of depth at some of these positions that really limits what they're able to do. So a few just kind of notes that people will want to know about. Uh, One is that Danny Gonzalez said that Tyler Wiley – will start somewhere in the secondary today. And we know, of course, that Ashari Crosswell is going to start also at a safety position. So that's two or three safety positions. Uh, Wiley probably will be Tillman, but Crosswell's practiced at Tillman in the last week, and he's looked good. The better player at that Tillman position probably will, will, will be the guy that plays there because that's their playmaking position. That's uh, what Gonzalez said today is that he expects yeah. whoever's better at that spot to get that position coming to the, 
right. in the fall. Now, Evan Fields has been working at the other Ranger position, and he's athletic enough to play into the boundary probably as a Ranger. And they're going to – they have uh, Cam Phillips, of course, is another option that they liked a lot last year and played as a freshman. They're going to get Kewan Markham, who's a true freshman, coming in. The overall competition – uh, in their secondary has been ratcheted up. They have the Baylor transfer to Marcus Davis, who struggled to begin ca- uh, the spring camp, and now he's actually gotten a fair amount better looking in the last week. Uh, so so the options are, are really up. Now, uh, Eli Doyle is a player that they moved from Tillman to linebacker. They're short on bodies at linebacker. Gonzalez said that he thinks that Doyle can gain uh, the size needed to play the position, and he's taken to it. Um, in a positive way and not really had a lot of mental mistakes, which is you know good for a transitioning player. Uh, and then Rob Lichen said today that of the freshman offensive linemen, uh, Donovan West, actually, the true freshman who just got here uh, from Southern California, has maybe uh, been a standout and has a chance to be somebody that could help them as a rotational player. Now, it's important to remember, of course, ASU has six senior offensive linemen, no juniors, no sophomores, and the rest are freshmen, okay? So what that means is that you're unless they get a junior college transfer or a Division One grad transfer who can help them, and they're going to try to do that, uh, you're, you're probably looking at a freshman having to be like your seventh or eighth player. And if you have injuries, now, now you got right. some potential problems. So so those are that's some of the you know just things that we're watching here storyline wise and, and and some of the the news. Uh, I'm also really spending a lot of time, of course, evaluating all the young players on the roster right. and taking a really hard look at the at the quarterbacks. And what I would say, because I know a lot of the, our audience here are not members on the site, but we've been tracking every single quarterback rep. So we have literally. Uh, the completion percentage, uh, the rep distribution, which quarterback has taken more reps on which days, the throws, the interceptions, the touchdowns. We have everything, okay? Uh, Rob Lichen said today that he sees some narrowing uh, of this quarterback battle and that in the last two or three practices, they'll probably uh, – that'll be reflected in terms of the rep distribution, okay? We are very confident that we can tell you how that's going to go. Uh, based on what our, our analysis and we've put up offensive analysis several thousand words long on every single player to this point and we're going to be doing the same thing with defense it it's really is a wealth of information that goes well beyond what we're able to, to convey in any free podcast and uh, and then also well, we have a premium podcast coming up this week that I'm excited about, too. Yeah, we have a premium podcast, and on that we're going to reveal Chris's Hot 11 of the spring. We'll have a mailbag on that. So please give us your questions in the Devil Sanctuary. We look forward to hearing those. But right now, for staff reporter Jack Harris and site publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Rob Warner, saying so long, and thank you for tuning in.